Hello, we ghosties. I'm Chance Lee. And I'm Amanda McAvoy. And this is That's So Gothic, a movie podcast about girls, guys, and haunted houses. Some doors are best left locked, but meddling white people like Kate Hudson and us, we never learn. (laughs) So we're opening the door and we're going to explore the skeleton key. In Terrebonne Parish and the surrounding bayous of Louisiana, there are those who practice little-known rituals of magic and witchcraft, conjure and sacrifice. Some do not believe in their power, but strange, frightening and unexplained incidents happen there to this day. Terrible parish. That's the swamps. For a thousand a week, I'll survive. 25 years old. What's wrong with a little change? Hello? Take good care of my husband. Stroke pretty much paralyzed him. I admire you. What you do? Hi, Ben. I'll be taking care of you for a while. Ben, Ben, you're hurting me. There you are. Time for his remedies. That brick does. How's it work? Nobody that means you harm can cross it. You lay a line down. It's how you tell who your enemies are. That attic is filled with stuff. Recipes, spells. You don't know what you've seen. But it can't hurt you if you don't believe. I suggest you leave that house before you do. You see him in the mirrors. Who? Who are you afraid of? Tell me who you're afraid of. The ghosts are here now. Who are you, Caroline? It is time, Lord. From the devil's house, take me. Out of darkness. I don't believe. I don't. No! I don't believe. It's real. It's all real. Released in 2005, The Skeleton Key was directed by Ian Softley with a script from Aaron Kruger. It stars Kate Hudson as Caroline, a hospice nurse in Louisiana, Jenna Rollins as Violet Devereaux, a Southern Dame, John Hurt as Ben, her mute dying husband, and Peter Sarsgaard as Luke, the family's attorney. This is the story of a haunted plantation house in Louisiana. So this movie was kind of a flop. Mm-hmm. It made $48 million in the U.S. against a $45 million budget, mm-hmm. and it took in about $94 million worldwide. It has a 37% critical tomato and a 58% audience tomato. <laughs> this movie is weirdly popular in my social circle. I don't know what that <laughs> says about me and my friends, but <laughs> I so know like three or four people that are like, I love the skeleton key and I count myself really? as one of them. So I clearly overestimated the popularity and appeal of this movie. But yeah, <laughs> <laughs> maybe it, and I can't even say it's a Southern thing. It, it's not all Southern people either. Yeah. 
So Ebert gave it two and a half stars, which was shockingly generous from him. Mm. He says that it's a movie that explains too much while also explaining too little. And it leaves us with a surprise at the end that makes more sense the less we think about it. Mm. I'm not sure if I agree with that. I think it makes yeah. sense. I, As part of the podcast, I spent a lot of time thinking about the skeleton key. Yeah. And- I was going to say, I have, I have no problem with the with the twist with the setup I think it makes sense yeah I think it's a movie too that so I had seen I've seen this multiple times Mm -hmm. but I think the last time I I think I've seen it like a long period of time between each one and this is the first time I actually remembered how it ended when I Mm -hmm. started and so watching it with that in mind made it really interesting. I was like, oh, that like, it makes sense why all the characters are acting so weird because I understand what's happening at the end. Right, yeah, I definitely, you know, we'll get into it later, but like, I wasn't crazy about this movie, but it was one that when I finished watching it, I started thinking about how cool, because I've only seen it once before. I saw it maybe when I was a teenager, like a long time ago. and I remember it scaring me a lot more back then, but maybe I was just hmm. more of a wimp back then. Um, but yeah, even on this time, I wasn't crazy about it, but I also thought immediately how cool and interesting it would be to rewatch it and na- with, you know, the knowledge of what happens at the end. Yeah, it reminds me of the others in that sense, mm. where the twist doesn't ruin the movie when you yes. know it. It makes it more interesting the second time around. Yeah. And tragic. Details. Yeah, yeah, yeah. it's very tragic. But speaking of you being scared, this movie does have a very high, like, PG-13 jump scare per minute ratio. There's a lot mm. of them. Yeah, yeah. I think that's why. It's definitely the type of movie that would scare teenage Amanda and then mm-hmm. adult Amanda, who knows when to expect those things, is, you know, not taken off guard. Yeah, and, same. Uh, there are some very interesting and creepy mid-2000s editing choices <laughs> made in this movie. Oh, yes. Uh, So I think that. But yeah, watching it as an older adult, um, I was surprised at how much more of like a thriller this felt than a horror. I almost would hesitate to call it a horror movie. It's it's very thriller-ish. It's like mysterious. It's a mystery. Yeah, it's like a suspense and a mystery because the Kate Hudson character is trying to get to the bottom of what's going on and does all this detective work. And I think that's what makes it so appealing to me. I like that trying to solve the mystery aspect. Right, absolutely. Ebert uh, also said something in his review criticizing the movie for um, its its depiction. Uh, it says, this has something in common with every other horror movie set in the Deep South, a ramshackle backroads gas station operated by degenerates who frighten and repel their customers. <laughs> in the real world, motorists get their gas at shiny 24-hour travel plazas, many of them incorporating Taco Bells and sales of the latest cassettes by Jeff Foxworthy, but not in horror movies where the chainsaw family lurks in the shadows behind the cash register and cackles unwholesomely about newcomers. Ebert has clearly never driven through Louisiana (laughs) because this type of gas station still fucking exists. Like (laughs) Like in the deep south, like I I can say that like I don't have that experience, but it doesn't seem unrealistic to me. (laughs) Not one bit. These 
plazas he's talking about like bucky's or whatever yeah. like yes they exist but when yeah. you're in some rural route nowhere going <laughs> yeah. through louisiana western texas mississippi any of these places you find these gas stations yes and they are scary <laughs> <laughs> uh, we need to go so, on a road trip with well can't anymore but we should have gone on a road trip with ebert oh man i know here i am criticizing this dead man but <laughs> he <laughs> he did not know what he was talking about in this case. Yeah. So the director has a, a really odd filmography. Mm. He hasn't done a lot, but what stood out to me was The Wings of the Dove, which mm. was an Oscar-nominated, like, uh, I almost said bodice ripper, not bodice <laughs> ripper, but like, <laughs> like one of those, um, oh my God, I can't get the term in my mind, the Merchant and Ivory type British drama. It's like yeah. based on a Henry James novel. It has Helena Bonham Carter. Right. It's, very tragic you know everyone's in corsets and parasols and victorian mm. and uptight so that was an interesting um yeah thing for this and then the writer is very prolific mm -hmm. he wrote scream three the worst scream mm -hmm. oh, agreed he wrote ring and ring two mm -hmm. he wrote three transformers movies oh wow tim burton's dumbo <laughs> which is weirdly the second time we've mentioned Dumbo on yeah, this what's podcast. The, what's the line you love from it? Just remind me real quick. Let's get ready for Dumbo! <laughs> that's right. <laughs> and it's the guy, the guy that says, let's get ready to rumble. They have him say it twice, twice in Dumbo. <laughs> that's right. Perfect writing, clearly. Uh, Dumbo gave us that. So, I mean, yeah, right? Was that in the yeah. script? Like, it had to have been. <laughs> and then he wrote Top Gun Maverick. What the hell? So oh, wow. This guy had a career. Um, and then we've got a great cast, Kate Hudson, mm -hmm. who I, you know, she's I, she's very pretty. She looks just like yes. Oldie Khan, her mother. I, I'm i just fond of her because of this movie. I haven't, mm. I, I'm not a big romantic comedy person. So I missed, I think I watched How to Lose a Guy in 10 Days, like once. Right. Yeah. I like, um, I like that she kind of, I don't know if it was intentional, but there's the, um, almost famous, like kind of reference almost famous must've come out before this. Right. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. In this movie, she said something about traveling with a band and I thought that was, I don't, again, I don't know if it was intentional, but I hope it was. That is funny. It could be, this is like that character's like the rest of what, the, what happened to her after almost famous. Yeah. Right. She settled um, yeah. down, became a hospice nurse. <laughs> and then I recently saw her in the new Knives Out movie, which I did not enjoy. And I didn't enjoy it because I felt like all of the actors, none of them were cast right, or at least like none of their strengths were played to. So I think that she's good in a lot of things. And like you said, she's very pretty. She's, I think she's very charismatic. She, she looks like she could have charisma with a block of wood seriously seriously she yeah. brings out the best in people like her scene mm -hmm. partners yeah and so she also has uh jenna rollins someone i again i don't know much about she's an old hollywood actress yeah. famous for being married to john cassavetes who was a big indie director mm. at some point names mm. i've heard from listening to movie podcasts about movies right. that i'll never watch <laughs> and then john hurt who's british yeah 
I was shocked when I I had completely forgot he was in this or I didn't realize who he was the first time I saw it and uh yeah he's he's doing something in this movie <laughs> he's doing a lot yeah he's doing yeah. a lot he has these fake teeth gross teeth in yeah. um that was one thing I learned from the commentary was I was I thought I hope those aren't John Hurt's real teeth and <laughs> thankfully they are not oh, good and they said on the commentary, even though you only see his teeth in one scene, he wore them mm. the whole time. That's hilarious. Committed. He is so dedicated. Committed to the bit. Yeah. And we have Mr. Maggie Gyllenhaal, Peter Sarsgaard. Mm, yep. Daddy and orphan. Yep, I was going to say. Dearly beloved. I want, I want to sleep next to daddy. <laughs> he lacks any sort of charisma in this movie. Oh, yeah. It just... I, every time he stepped off the screen, I forgot he was a character. And then he'd come back and I'd be like, oh yeah, <laughs> I forgot. I, I I find him very charming yeah. in general. He's and very handsome. He's, you know, he's a cutie pie, but yeah. This movie does him no favors. No. Well, let's get into the plot summary for the skeleton key. Sure. We open with Kate Hudson reading to a dying man in mm. a hospice center, very in her shoes, vibes. Cameron mm. Diaz just learned to read vibes. So very yeah. fond. <laughs> um, the poor old man dies and mm-hmm. no one comes to get his stuff. So she has this existential crisis as she's dumping his belongings in the dumpster with all of the other boxes. It's very depressing. Mm-hmm. We get lots of really nice establishing shots of New Orleans, which I think is my favorite part yes. of this movie. Yeah, the atmosphere is incredible. The atmosphere is great. The cinematography is good. The music is good. Yes. You feel like you are there. Mm-hmm. The sense of place is really strong. It's That's very true. So she wants a new job. We learn her name is Caroline. She's from Hoboken, New Jersey, but she's living mm-hmm. in in new orleans and she goes to interview for a home hospice nurse for a job that will pay her a thousand dollars a week which is a lot of money especially Mm. in 2005 dollars (laughs) yeah so she goes to this plantation home where we meet this old woman violet Devereaux, Mm -hmm. and her mute husband ben who we're told had a stroke in the attic. He's the one she'll be caring for. Mm -hmm. And then Luke, who is the estate lawyer for the Mm. family and is weirdly close to the old woman. Yeah. So Violet doesn't want her around and she kind of tries to turn her away, but Luke Mm -hmm. ends up talking, talking her into it and she accepts the job. There's a funny scene. She does have a black roommate. They must have felt obligated to put some black characters in this movie. (laughs) And so, but she says, she tells her like, no bingo. (laughs) I forget what the other things are, but she says, they'll try to suck you into their elderly ways, which I (laughs) found really cute. Um, We, so, so she accepts the job. She packs everything up, heading back into the swamps. She stops at the dilapidated old gas station that Ebert mentioned in his review. <laughs> yeah. We get like two or three jump scares in this one gas station. Yeah. An old woman with cataracts pops up. <gasps> ah! And then a black guy shows up. Ah! 
Oh my God. So there's black man jump scare. And so, <laughs> so there's some dicey racial dynamics here. Yeah, yeah. I, honestly, I think it's not as bad as I'm making it out to be. As, yeah, as when we go, but um, it is just it's kind of amusing from yeah. in the 2005 sense. Um, <laughs> so there's also this line of brick dust that is in the threshold, which will become a motif and play mm-hmm. into the plot later on. There's some of that at the gate to the plantation home as well. So in the home, Caroline realizes that there are no mirrors in the house. Yeah. And even though the old man is virtually catatonic, he freaks out and like grabs her wrist really hard, has these freak out episodes. Mm -hmm. And then the old woman tells her, well, you're scrawnier than I hoped. Prettier, Mm -hmm. though. Mm. And <laughs> ask if she's written on, want to know if she has tattoos. Yep. Oh, which again is like one of those details that I'm like, oh, mm-hmm. she, she doesn't want tattoos. Rude. I know. It just sounds like she's do- like old woman, Southern stereotype. Yeah, right. And Kate Hudson says, not where you can see. Ooh. And we, when we do get like a gratuitous, almost nude shot, we do see she has like a little tattoo on her butt cheek. Yeah. <laughs> so Violet shows Caroline a picture of the house's original owners, mm-hmm. which Caroline thinks is weird that she still has this photo of Martin and Grace, this old white couple. And then when she picks up the photo, a picture falls out beneath it and she sees the two people as kids with these black housekeepers. Mm-hmm. And we'll learn their names are Mama Cecile and Papa Justify. Mm-hmm. And Violet gives Car- Caroline the skeleton key. So we've got our, our title there. And she also says to her, she asks if she smokes. And Caroline says no. And Violet says, Well, I smoke a lot and I enjoy it very much. <laughs> Woman who knows what she likes. <laughs> Great line. Yes. There's a lot of good scenes of her smoking in this movie. So we also get some background. We learned that Caroline's mother abandoned her and her dad is dead. So she's virtually an orphan. So we get a lot of cool establishing shots at the ha- of the house and we'll come back to the house during our Gothic recap, of course. This movie does have a pretty solid yeah. house, I think. So Violet does send Caroline to the attic to get some plant seeds. Mm. and we get a cool shot from inside the keyhole as she comes up which is really neat and on the commentary they talked about how they used an endoscopic camera like you'd use in surgery because they were going to do it cgi yeah and then they got that and that they could actually thread through the keyhole and i was like that's that's cool cool. Yeah, yeah i like that detail the director does talk about how much, how resistant he is to CG, mm. which is something I do appreciate. This movie does not have a lot of effects, but right. I appreciate, and I also appreciate that it doesn't because he yeah. hates it. And he made a really good point where he talks about when, even though like you can do anything with computer graphics, that's that's also the drawback is you can do anything. And when anything is possible, nothing is scary. Oh, I like that. I thought that was very shrewd and something yeah. that I hadn't thought of before. Cause when you have these limitations and you kind of know what's coming, but not really, it yeah. ends up being scarier. I, I agree with that. That's, that's a really good point. Yeah. I thought that was interesting. So yeah, no, not a lot of effect shots, which are great. Yeah. Well, I wish that this director had directed more like horror then. 
I know. It seems like he's got some good ideas yeah. with it. And this movie's very well shot. Yeah, absolutely. Well edited. It's it's very competently. Su- that sounds like an insult, it but it's very yeah. solidly made movie. It is, yeah. Especially for like a mid-tier mm. 2005 mid-budget horror movie. This should not yes. be as pretty as it looks. Yes, yeah. So... In the attic, Caroline finds another door. This one will not open with the skeleton key. Mm-hmm. And then we get an old lady jump scare. Ah! <laughs> and Violet tells her that this attic door has never opened. Mm-hmm. So we get some gratuitous side boob as she's showering. And yep. <laughs> so it's implied someone's watching her shower. And then she gets into bed and we hear this this crashing and this weird rattling noise. And it turns out it's the old man dragging his like half his body across the grooved tin roof. Yeah. What a great scene that is. Like that's pretty cool. It really is, yeah. He's just desperate to get away. Pouring rain. So wet. Yeah. The actors are always soaking wet. In this yeah. movie, it rains a lot. Yes, yeah, which I'm pretty sure is very realistic, right? I've never been to Louisiana, but it seems like a wet state. When it rains, it fucking rains. Yeah. Like, it can rain torrential downpour for 24 to 48 hours, and that's wow. not unusual. And then turn around and be 100, 105 degrees the next day yeah. and just oppressively steamy. Yeah, okay, yeah. Okay, so, so a moist state. I'm sorry, everyone, but... Yes. Very humid. Yeah. So Caroline sees that he's written help me on dirt on his bed sheet. And that's true. (laughs) That's true. I never why I immediately thought it was something worse when I saw it. Yeah, that's true because the bed sheet is inside, right? Like he wouldn't have been dirty yet when that happened. Mm, Good point. (laughs) So she goes out, she runs out there and Violet's yelling at her because saying she didn't give him his remedies. She's always talking mm. about his remedies. Yeah. And the next day, Caroline tries to show Luke the sheet, but it's clean. It's mysteriously mm. clean. And he is trying to smooth things over with Violet. And they have this weird, like flirty dynamic. And again, it's hard to tell if like he's just doing that because that's a thing Southern guys do. It's just you yeah. flirt with the old ladies. Or what? But they they have a very interesting dynamic. So Caroline manages to pick the attic lock with a hairpin. Mm -hmm. Because there's like a chunk of a a key in the lock. Mm. And she pulls that out. And inside there's like a stitched together head and an old photo album slash spell book. And this ring that has three snakes on it. Mm -hmm. And this final record from 1920 called The Conjuring of Sacrifice. So Violet comes to look for Caroline, very suspenseful as she has to hide. Mm -hmm. And when Violet leaves, Caroline realizes all of the sheets that are in this room are the mirrors. Yeah. And so she knows Violet was lying about never going in this room because the mirrors are in that room. Right. So back in New Orleans, she's listening to the record and her roommate tells her uh, that this, this is about hoodoo. Mm-hmm. So not voodoo, but hoodoo. Right. That hoodoo that you do. And voodoo is a religion and hoodoo they describe as American folk magic. 
Mm. So back at the house, Caroline has put up a mirror and Violet is immediately pissed off. And Caroline threatens to leave unless Violet tells her what the hell is going on here. Because she's she's growing more and more attached to Ben because he's reminding her of her dead dad. And since since she's told Ben had a stroke in the attic, but there's all this weird shit in the attic. Yeah. She's trying to figure out, get to the bottom of this maybe supernatural mystery. So we get this very dark flashback about the Thorpe family and their two helpers, the help, Mama Cecile and Papa Justify. Um, they call him a conjure man who healed the sick and hurt the mean. And one night at a fancy party, they find the children in a hoodoo circle, circle of like, I don't know, 200 candles, big fire hazard. So many candles. (laughs) Like, how do you get that many candles? Yeah. (laughs) How do you light them and keep them all lit at the same time? That's a very good point. Yeah, I think the first set you light would be melted by the time you got around to all of them. You need a flamethrower just to light these candles. (laughs) So a bajillion candles. And when they find that the servants are doing hoodoo with the the white, the black servants are doing this with the white children, they lynch them and they burn them. Yes. And this being 2005, they show that happening. So Of course, yeah. We do have that, which is pretty horrific. Very Um, intense scene. And this being the 1920s in Louisiana and rich white people committing a crime against black servants, there's no trial and no arrests. Mm -hmm. So later we're told that Thorpe kills his wife and himself and the children grow up and sell the house. And now we have Violet and Ben. Mm -hmm. Violet says she sometimes sees the ghosts in the mirror and she believes that they're what hurt Ben. And she says the brick dust keeps, keeps the safe spaces safe. Mm-hmm. So Caroline decides to show Ben the mirror while he's bathing. Yeah. And he has this epic freak out in the bathtub after yeah. looking at the mirror. And... So Caroline's like, all right, so he believes this is real. So she has to take this to the next step. So she goes to this laundromat where there's a hoodoo shop behind the laundromat. Mm -hmm. I feel like something similar happens in the new Candyman movie. I have to go back and watch that. But there was some weird shit happening at a laundromat in that as well. Huh. (laughs) So maybe that's just the thing. That's where you do your hoodoo is, is behind the laundromat. My local laundromat has some birds that live there and they're named um, Tide and Gain. They're really cute. <laughs> like real birds? Like real birds, yeah. And then the owner cut out Tide and Gain um, labels and put them on their cage. And you can tell which one is named which because one is like red and orange and the other one's like green and yellow. So they're named. So yeah, laundromats are kind of a weird place. I fully understand that that is brilliant yeah i would die for those birds <laughs> i would go to that like if, if i went to laundromats i would choose that laundromat yeah because right. they had the birds that's really good Absolutely. marketing yeah that's what that's exactly what i do i rarely have to go to a laundromat if i do i go there because i want to say hi to the birds i used to go to a laundromat in fitchburg massachusetts mm. which is um 
it, it has a reputation. We'll yes. put it that way. Yes. And this laundromat had a big sign that said, no rubber pants in dryers. <laughs> <laughs> so like, I want to know how many times did this happen before they realized they had to put up a sign? <laughs> <laughs> oh <laughs> those poor people that's why, I know. that's why they have to practice hoodoo they have to curse <laughs> the people who keep putting rubber pants in their dryer yes that's gotta be those things have to be expensive yeah man so <laughs> so Kate Hudson goes to the hoodoo laundromat Mm -hmm. and there's like it's very dramatic there's rain and thunder as she's yeah. going she um gets this hoodoo cure for mm. ben and her roommate's trying to remind her he's not your dad but she's like i don't care if i didn't care i wouldn't have this job and mm. right, she admits that she's attached to him so she does this cleansing spell. She has a candle and like a bowl of holy water, maybe with some, a lot of herbs mm. and she's chanting and like putting the water on his face and there's a thunder jump scare. And, but Ben starts to talk. He's like, Caroline, yeah. help me. Yeah. Like what John Hurt does this. He, he enunciates pretty well without closing his mouth. Mm, yeah. he does <laughs> yeah <laughs> and when she's like what are you afraid of he like points to the door where violet is because she's banging on the door mm -hmm. Caroline, open this door caroline <laughs> i like the way jenna roland says caroline caroline yeah she has a great accent she does have a good accent. So she, uh, we looked up uh, where she was from, see if she was mm. Southern. She's from Wisconsin. So wow, good, good accent training. She's put, put the work yeah. in. So in the, so Caroline has this vivid dream where she imagines mm. her own mouth and eyes getting stitched shut. Yeah. Just like that head in the attic. One of the few, maybe probably the only real like gory moment of this movie. It's otherwise yeah. pretty tame. So she shows all this stuff to Luke that she's been gathering and all this evidence that she's been collecting and he's not concerned at all. So she's like, we're going to go to the gas station and like fit, figure out more information. So they go mm -hmm. to the gas station and they have brick dust. They have these like, they almost look like wind chimes, but they're made of animal bones. Yeah. And the commentary tells us exactly what kind of bones they are. Oh, they are raccoon penis bones. All of them? Yeah. <laughs> How did they get so many? Lots of raccoons. Lots wow. of emasculated raccoons running oh, around. Raccoons. Oh. <laughs> but yeah, that's the it's the raccoon penis bone. Wow. Incredible. And he also says so they built the gas station as a set, but the shack was there. The shack was something they found. Wow. So literally Ebert is so wrong. <laughs> I know. I know. It was a real location. That's incredible. Yeah. So they go into this dilapidated shack. The blind woman is there mm -hmm. and she 
like she has these other Papa Justify records. So she eventually admits that this is some sort of spell that keeps people from dying by taking the years from someone else, Mm -hmm. which is like true, but not quite the whole truth. Yeah. So we're officially in the last act. Caroline thinks she's figured it out. She knows what's happening. So we're getting her plan into action where she's going to basically uh, adult nap Ben and get him out of this house. So she's laying this brick dust while Violet's in the kitchen, cutting off a bunch of chicken heads. Mm -hmm. And she's like, come into the room. And Violet won't come into the room where the brick dust is. Yeah. So she's like, Ooh. And then Caroline drugs these sugar cubes, Mm -hmm. which there's one plot hole in the movie for me. It's this one because you don't sweeten your iced tea after (laughs) you make it. That is true. Come on, Any guys. Southern woman, like I could see, I could see Kate Hudson's character not realizing this. Yeah, but but they imply that the Jenna Rollins character that Violet does do this. Yeah, any established Southern woman would not do that one bit. Oh my goodness, this—that's like the uh, my cousin Vinny. You know, no self-respecting Southerner makes instant yes. grits. Yes, <laughs> no self-respecting Southerner puts cubes of sugar in their iced tea. Yeah. God, these people need to do their research. I know. So that took me totally <laughs> out of the movie. Yep. And also completely unnecessary because she doesn't even no. take the sugar cube. No, she's like, I'm good. We could have had the same scene because Caroline runs over with like the sedative and pours <laughs> it in the tea <laughs> anyway. Like, kind of a very funny scene. Like she is so nimble. <laughs> <laughs> Scurries over there, pours it and runs back. <laughs> and so Violet drinks it. And is ranting a bit, but then starts to get all dizzy. And she has this hard fall. She like hits the table. And she hisses at Caroline, you little whore, he's Mm -hmm. mine. Because there's always been this kind of jealousy between between them. She seems jealous of her. And so this spell falls out of her pocket. And she's tr- Violet's trying to draw this protective circle with chalk around her. So Caroline grabs the sheet and she like runs upstairs and she tries to escape with Ben, but the gate has been locked. Mm-hmm. So she rams it with her very cute classic VW Beetle. Yeah. I really think that Beetle would have busted this gate down. Yeah. Yeah. Like if it was a newer beetle, like it was one of the ones from this time period, it would have crumpled Mm. like a can. But I think the beetle she has. That's true. Could have busted right through that. Those things seem sturdy. Yeah. That's like a hundred percent steel. Yeah. No, no carbon, uh, carbon fiber or whatever it's called. (laughs) Yeah. Whatever. (laughs) No no synthetic materials in that truck. All American (laughs) Pittsburgh steel. Yeah. So this is another part where it's like, and then she just randomly spins out of control and like the car gets stuck. There's some plotting issues with this part of the movie, but yeah, she, she stows Ben away in a shack. And meanwhile, we see Violet get the shotgun. Violet's chasing her. We hear over and over again, Caroline, she's pursuing her and shooting off this shotgun. And Caroline kind of paddles off into this swamp. Yeah. And she goes to Luke. He lives in this really cute, like, French Quarter-looking apartment. Oh, so adorable. I want to live there. 
It's so, oh, my, if I could live anywhere, it would be in one of those places in New Orleans yeah. and like never have a hurricane. Yes. It, yeah, exactly. Like that's the thing. I need to be rich enough where I can either just replace everything when it gets blown away by a hurricane right. or just like there's no more hurricanes. So yeah. I need a <laughs> lot of money to live in New Orleans. <laughs> so she uh, goes to Luke and he gets a phone call from Violet. So he's trying to act cool and everything yeah. but but while <laughs> while he gets the call she's like looking at his desk and he has like yeah. a state law for dummies and these <laughs> books on his desk like not hidden at all which no. like make kind of makes sense like when you get later into the movie but like not even he has all these photos of her just in a manila oh, envelope yeah. like on his desk like and she knocks on the door and he has windows. Like he could have taken right. two seconds to put it in a drawer. It's incredible. <laughs> I know. So yeah, he has all the pictures. Like he's been staking her out. Yeah. And he's got that hoodoo ring, the mm-hmm. one with the snakes on it. And he has the broken key that was the yeah. chunk, which was in the lock. So he pops up and strangles her in this other, yeah. in this jump scare. And drags her back to the house. She knows they're going to sacrifice her. Mm-hmm. So what she knows is that, you know, this spell is like sucks the life out of other people. So she believes that Violet is teaching Luke this hoodoo and they're going to sacrifice yeah. her so Violet can stay young. And so there's a chase. There's a, a lot of chase scenes happening here. And it culminates in this pretty, really intense fight between... Uh, Violet and Caroline mm-hmm. and this really good just like physical grappling scene yeah I love seeing an old woman get thrown around in a movie oh, yeah it's great the early 2000s was good for this there's a very good fight scene between Kate Blanchett and Judy Dench in Notes on a Scandal where Kate mm. Blanchett just like slams the shit out of Judy Dench so <laughs> old women were really getting it in 2000 the early yeah. 2000s it was a very like equal so, opportunity body slam <laughs> couple of years exactly yeah and i think for these actresses it would be kind of fun actually to kind of play right? these parts yeah. you're doing those stunts but it would be fun yeah and caroline throws violet down the stairs this yeah. is another like pretty heavy she rolls and like her legs look yeah. busted yeah and so she manages to call 911 mm-hmm. smart like she's a she's not your typical stupid no like none of the mistakes happen because she's dumb which is nice no. So she calls 911 first, then she calls her roommate. So she's made some good choices. But of course they cut the phone lines and there's an elevator that's been installed so that Ben can travel between floors post stroke. Mm-hmm. And so Violet drags herself yeah. into the elevator. <laughs> this is a pretty I, good scene too. I love it so much. Her, this Violet from this point on is just my absolute favorite. She's so creepy. She's just slugging along, just oh, dragging herself across these floorboards. Yep. Caroline, here she Caroline. comes, just slowly dragging herself, dragging herself up the stairs. She has to yep. still go upstairs, yeah. like the. <laughs> <laughs> so Caroline ends up in the attic, mm-hmm. and the sacrifice circle is there with the fe- the bajillion candles. Mm-hmm. And so she pulls out the protective circle spell 
and she starts to do this protection spell. And there's a really good, there's really good Foley work on the chalk going across the mm. floorboards. I really yeah. liked that sound effect. Yeah. And it, it, Violet ends up making it up there. She goes, I believe you broke my legs. Oh, I love that line so much. <laughs> Girl, I think you broke my legs. Oh, I feel like I'm going to quote that all the time. You should just yeah. randomly. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> And then Kate Hudson as like the cutest top on that has this kind of like V neck with lace. Oh yeah, yeah, and yeah. Her her mascara yeah. is supposed to be like runny and panicked, but she just has this gorgeous smoky eye instead. <laughs> like you cannot make Kate Hudson look bad. Like that's Truly. what we learned from this movie. <laughs> her hair's all like muddy and matted and wet, and she just looks so stunning. She looks so good, <laughs> and so. It turns out, of course, it's all a trick. Mm -hmm. So the protection spell is the final part of the sacrifice spell and how it doesn't work if you don't believe. And the last time we see Kate Hudson as Caroline, she's screaming, I don't believe, I don't believe. And she looks in the mirror and we we see Violet change to the previous owner of the house changed to mama Cecile mm-hmm. and then the mirror crashes into her and she wakes up and she lights that cigarette yeah. <laughs> and Luke comes in and now it's all become clear. So yeah. he had switched bodies with Ben and now yeah. they were looking for a younger body for Violet. Yeah. And Violet goes, I wanted a black one this time. <laughs> but they have made a point in the movie about how all the black help is too smart to stay in this house yes like (laughs) they they, they pick up what's going on and too much at the beginning you know Mm -hmm. like they are like nope something's wrong so you gotta get an oblivious white girl from hoboken yes yes (laughs) so they got her and So like Violet is freaking out on the stretcher because now we know it's Caroline inside Violet's body and the roommate shows up. And so of course now Violet is in Caroline's body. doesn't know who she is. And there's a little awkwardness there. And she also says, she has this good line where she goes, oh, fiddlesticks. I don't know what possessed me. Oh, I didn't pick up on that. <laughs> That's cute. That, that was good because obviously she's been possessed and Violet would say fiddlesticks a couple times yeah, throughout the yeah. movie. And... That's it. They they yep. were told that they left Caroline the house in the will. Mm-hmm. So my dream... The only way I'm ever going to own a house is if... Well, I guess if an old person puts their soul in my body and then yeah. leaves me the house. <laughs> <laughs> the only way yeah i'd make a deal with them like can i live with you for a couple of years and then right. you can you can take the reins honestly like i'm good like right like especially like let me when maybe when i get a little sick or something yeah. like i'm not gonna die but like then you can come in and get better and then yeah like the first time i get a migraine i'm like okay it's your turn <laughs> yes uh, yeah the only way we're ever going to be homeowners in today's economy <laughs> So we, the last thing we see are Violet and Ben in the ambulance and we know it's like the 
basically Kate Hudson and Peter Sarsgaard in these old people bodies just yeah. being driven off to die. Like, yeah. oh, what an awful fate. Right. And like, it's kind of like, like, you know, people are, I, I don't know, the, the fear of old people is very mm. common in yes. horror movies. And I guess maybe it's rooted in our own fear of getting old. Yeah. And so the movie really does tap into that. Like, what if like, it's not the, the hypothetical, like, oh, life went by so fast. Yeah. But, like, it really did. Like, you yeah. don't get to live these intervening 50 years of your life. Like, right. Yeah. But you have to be aware of that. Yeah. And not to mention, like, you're stuck now doing it with this person, with this man who technically you don't know, but you do. Because, like, it's such a weird situation because she knows the older man because she would, like, she knows the younger man as the older man because she was taking care of him yeah. but she also knows the younger man's body it's right. so bizarre yeah yeah it's a it's a good this movie has a great ending i think yeah. that's what really elevates this movie is the ending mm -hmm, mm -hmm. we also get an elvis song in the credits we get if yes. i can dream i cry yep. a little bit thinking of elvis the movie <laughs> yeah the director makes the problematic comp comment of saying that he ended this movie with an Elvis song. He said, another black man in a white man's body. <laughs> <laughs> and then the commentary's over. <laughs> then they cut the mic. <laughs> I changed my mind. I love this movie so much. <laughs> it's so good. Uh, oh, that's so funny. Oh, I love that. That was the highlight of the commentary was the very last comment. <laughs> That is, I will say, a great place to end. I just wanted to throw in really quickly because we might talk about it a little bit like with the house because the setting, you know, we touched on it a little bit is so phenomenal in this movie. The, the, the scene of her rowing in the swamp, bog, whatever. And it's so, like, I think that was the most scared I felt during the whole movie, even mm. though I knew she was like, getting to safety there was something so like creepy about the bog and then she's paddling and she sees the house in the distance with all the lights and the music there was something about it that was just like inherently creepy I really yeah. liked that part um but no I don't think I have a whole lot else to add I mean I think the director really capped it off the best. He pinned it pretty good. But yeah, the one other thing I in the commentary, um, that's not as funny, but <laughs> <laughs> what can be <laughs> a full uh detail. Just just like being in the South is scary and mm -hmm. the landscape and everything. Mm -hmm. And they talked about how when they were filming, if ever there was like a bug or something mm. they would make sure to put it in the shot <laughs> uh, yeah and so just to capture the feeling of being yeah. there I thought that was a really neat attention to detail yeah I will say as a New England girl um the south does frighten me so like I get that aspect and not it doesn't frighten me in like the sense of the unknown it frightened it frightens me in the sense of it really is just such a different culture. I mean, mm -hmm. it's, I mean, I'm sure you can attest to it. Like it's the customs, the way people interact. It's all just totally 
foreign to me. I, I'm more comfortable in like Canada than I am in, I would be in like Louisiana. So I get her, her plight in that way. Yeah, it is totally different. The customs are different mm-hmm. and the environment is different. The bugs are huge. Yeah. <laughs> Seriously. Oh God. The heat, yeah. the heat does crazy things. The heat, I think really does make people act like they may not normally act. Yeah. And yeah. it also it also allows these insects to get so gigantic because there's yeah. no winter chill to mm-hmm. kill them off. They just keep yes. growing. They get bigger and bigger. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Only place I ever fainted was in the South. I fainted in a Publix because I had given mm. blood outside of a church. It's a very Southern story. Wow. I was leaving church and there was a blood drive happening in the parking lot. It gave blood and then I went to Publix with my grandparents and I fainted. And there was a bunch of, I will say, there was a bunch of sweet Southern old ladies all around me. Well, I nice. do love that. Yes. Yeah. I'm glad they took care of you. They yeah. probably talked shit behind your back afterwards. Oh, but... absolutely. If it was Violet, <laughs> she'd be like, I don't want that one. <laughs> oh, no, no. This fragile Yankee, absolutely not. <laughs> That's Can't me. even give a liter of blood without passing <laughs> out. Get get that bitch out of here. <laughs> She'd be pissed. Yeah. Well, we'll take a quick break and we'll come back with our gothic right recap and we'll decide. We'll decide. Is it gothic, y'all? <laughs> We're back with our gothic recap. All gothic films have four elements. A girl, a guy, a house, and a haunt. Our girl, Caroline. This is our, she's a quintessential gothic girl. Mm -hmm. She is lured to a place out of her control. She's already kind of a foreigner because she's from the Northeast, living in the South. Mm A little out of her element. Definitely, you know, thrown off, I think, by not. They make a lot of criticisms of her about not getting Southern culture and it ends up being an asset for them and a detriment to her because they're able to use that to their advantage. But um, Kate Hudson Mm -hmm. shares a a ghost quote unquote ghost story on the special features Mm. and they put this on the back of the DVD set. (laughs) Special features, Kate Hudson's spooky ghost story. (laughs) So I'm like, oh, I've got to tune in. So that was the first special feature I watched was Kate Hudson's spooky ghost story. (laughs) Yeah. She talks about Goldie Hawn doing a movie. I didn't dig enough to try to guess what movie she was doing. Yeah. And they, the house that they rented while she was doing this movie was haunted because Kate Hudson would fall out of bed all the time and she would trip a lot. Oh my God. And one day they heard footsteps. Oh. And the footsteps came up the stairs <gasps> and went into the bathroom and turned on the shower. Oh my God. And then she also fell into a pool and the, like the gardener or someone on this estate that they were renting yeah. swears it looked like she was pushed. Of course. Cause it's very obvious. Yes. And there was like a dead kid. It's a kid had died there. So they assumed it was this ghost. And so Goldie Hawn packed all their things and they moved out. Oh, it sounds like she maybe just has an inner ear problem. <laughs> <laughs> I, know. I was like, how she was probably like, I don't know, four. Like she seemed yeah. really young, just because oh it seemed God. like she was relaying 
stories that had been told to her. Yeah. You know? <laughs> so oh, Goldie, yeah. I could totally see believing in ghosts and being oh, a bit yeah. of a, a bit of adorable kook. So absolutely, I could totally see that. That's that's very cute. It was a very cute story. Yeah. There are also stories on the DVD about. Well, there's Jenna Rowland's love spell. Oh. And I don't know if this is something she came up with or something they made her do for the special <laughs> feature. <laughs> but so so here's her love spell for you and for any listeners who would like to do it. So you take a popsicle stick mm-hmm. and you write your name on one side mm-hmm. and the name of the person that you love on the other side. Mm-hmm. And then you put the popsicle stick in a jar of sugar and honey. Mm-hmm. And then you shake up the jar and you do this little chant, which I don't remember the exact words, but it's like something, something, something. Think sweet thoughts about me. Oh. And if you do it, then the person that you love will think sweet thoughts about you. Oh, that's precious. I was like, that's kind of really sweet. And I, of course, I thought too deeply on this because. That's what I yeah, do. But of course. the whole point of the movie is like, it works if you believe in it. And mm. I can almost see this being kind of therapeutic. Like, if yeah. you know, because it's not like the, the, the outcome isn't this person will fall in love and marry yeah. you. The outcome is they're thinking about you. And that's yeah. really sweet. <laughs> oh, that is really nice. This, so this I hope gets a role came up with that on her own. I do too. And this gets me thinking. I had a patron one time. I'll try to be vague. Um, she gave me um, spells to do. And she was, I believe, like Spanish Catholic. So it's really, and it's and it made me think of it because it's actually pretty similar to that sugar and honey. Like one of them, it's similar, but it's grosser because one of them was like, you take, I think you crack three raw eggs into a cup. You keep that cup in front of your front door for like two days so like Hmm. and then you empty them out you pour the eggs out and then you you do something I think you like put some water in the cup or something and then you cover it with a plate and you flip it upside down it's very it's more involved like that but it is really interesting how I feel like every region every religion has some sort of like mystical spell aspect so that's that's really interesting and they all involve just doing weird random things that you would never otherwise do right and with with average household objects yeah and like you said you know it's i think it it really comes down more to if you believe Mm -hmm. yeah Hmm. Hmm. so magic is magic is real yeah if you believe yes so we also have our guy Mm-hmm. And our our guy in this case is kind of the the couple, Papa Justify, Mama Cecile. They've yep. lured, they've been they've been luring people in and mm-hmm. switching their bodies a couple times throughout yep. throughout history. Anything you wanted to add about them? We'll talk more about the concept of hoodoo itself um, in the haunt. Not really. I guess though something I thought about a lot after this movie ended is how much I would enjoy to see a movie about them growing up as white children like these grown because they those kids were young they were yeah like you know maybe 
I'm not great at guessing children's ages, but maybe like six and eight or something. Yeah. Like they were yeah. little. And so now you have grown adults in the, and then also it's really fucked up when you think about it because those people oh. lynched their own children. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Um, so anyways, as disturbing as it was, I really like enjoyed that flashback because yeah. in retrospect, it became even more disturbing. Um, well, and they talk about how the parents then later did a murder suicide mm. and it oh. you, makes you wonder, did, did the kids actually do it? Yeah. Or did the kids drive them to do it? Yes. There had to oh. be. Yeah, I want. I want a Netflix limited series. Yes. Skeleton Key, nineteen twenty. I'm honestly very in favor of that. Yes. Because could you? I That'd mean, be it, good. Get Kieran it, and Shipka yes. and I don't know a Stranger Thing, right. and they can, <laughs> they, can be the, they can be the kids. Yeah. Uh, right. Bring back Peter Skarsgård somehow because he's already mm. familiar with the concept. He could be the dad. Yeah. yeah doing the orphan. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Like that in retrospect, I will say really like got me thinking. There's a lot, there's a lot of layers to this script, yeah. which is another reason I do appreciate it. Yeah. They, they hint at a lot. Right. And, and I'll take this moment to kind of say like, I know I said I didn't like this movie and I still kind of stand by that but I mentioned to you it to you earlier there's nothing about this movie that I inherently don't like it's just something about it as a whole just didn't really do it for me but I can but yeah like the looking back on things makes it a little bit better and I would be incredibly excited if they did a skeleton key part two 1920 Uh, that would be so good directed by Mike Flanagan Yes. (laughs) Yes. We got to pitch this, Mm -hmm. but yeah, I think I can see where you're coming from because this is a, it's a mid tier 2005 movie. It lacks the camp factor of say the boy. Mm. I would put this movie almost in the same category as the boy. Um, you know, the boy had less, even less budget to work with, but a PG 13, almost more of a mystery than a horror movie, but the boy has that added camp factor right that really makes it pop for me personally yes yeah and this one is deadly serious yes it it takes itself very seriously I maybe I would have liked it more if Violet got even more screen time because she was probably my favorite part so good in it um yeah you know it needed that turn the turn the climax up to 11 before the twist would have been even better yeah yeah absolutely but we do have an iconic house in this movie as problematic as it is you know i grew up in the south i love a southern plantation home just like blake lively does you know just (laughs) like i think ben affleck got married on a plantation to jennifer Mm. garner maybe like Mm -hmm. you know we love our plantation homes in the united states i grew up maybe 30 minutes 45 minutes from a plantation house in Mm. Mississippi where you could go for tours and it also had a ghost there was a I think a child had died Mm. and sometimes they said you would see him there and I loved the story of this plantation house it 
almost could have come right from this movie. Yeah. And so had peacocks and there's a few peacocks in this movie as oh, well on the yeah. grounds. So I don't know why plantation homes loved peacocks, but yeah, they do. I, I was going to ask you, is that like a common thing in the South? Cause I mean, they're, they're not native. I would imagine. Right. They can't no, be. I, I wonder if maybe some rich person bought them mm. and now they've become native. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. They're an invasive species. Yeah. Yeah. But this plantation house sold the peacock feathers. You could buy one for like a dollar in the oh, gift shop. So lovely. that was nice. There's yeah. nothing sadder than a male peacock with like three feathers trying to show yeah, off. Yeah, right. It's kind of like John Hurt and his disgusting teeth. <laughs> it really is. It really is. They could work some peacock as like sad masculinity yeah. motif into the prequel series. Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> but this is a real plantation in mm. Louisiana called Felicity Plantation, and it also featured in 12 Years a Slave. Oh, wow. Interesting. I have not seen that movie because I know it will upset me, and I'm sorry. I am white. Yeah. <laughs> That's fair. That's yeah. fair. But yeah, they talked about on the commentary how they almost they were scouting, 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 and just couldn't find mm. the right location, and they were about to just build uh, it, this on a soundstage in yeah. Hollywood. And then Kate Hudson got pregnant and it delayed the start of production oh. for a year yeah. for this movie. And so in that time they kept scouting and then they found this house. Oh, good job. Kate so I was Hudson. like, oh, see what happens when you honor a woman's pregnancy and don't just yeah, try to fire right? her and like, replace her with someone else. Yeah. <laughs> so um, last but not least, we have our haunt. Mm-hmm. In this case, it's hoodoo. Mm-hmm. We have the very classic two Southern Gothic magical Negro stereotypes. Mm-hmm. Except in this case, they're like kind of bad. I mean, I guess they're bad. Yeah. Like they're also slaves. So right. they're kind of like, well, you know, you kind of killed your white captors. So good for you. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Doing it. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> right. Right. Yeah. Again, this is why like we need a prequel series because I would like to see them fleshed out a little bit more. Oh yeah. Yeah. So they're, and again, we've said it before, we're a couple of white people talking about a movie yep. with a bunch of white people. That's about black people. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, <laughs> so I did find, I tried to find some cultural criticism about mm-hmm. this movie. So uh, I did find a review on a website called blackhorrormovies.com. Mm. And they said that the skeleton key is one of those movies that uses a white lead character to explore an aspect of black culture while most of the black culture black characters remain peripheral, sort of like a supernatural a time to kill. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but that said, it was a very favorable review. They actually really mm. liked the movie and thought it wasn't that offensive after all this is of course one one critic but right um and then the other critic i found was ann hornaday for the washington post she's a critic she's one of the few critics who's not ebert whose name i know because Mm. she wrote a book called how to talk about movies that i find very informative and i highly recommend it for anyone who likes movies and wants to talk about them beyond that was good i liked it yeah I'm going to place a hold on it so that I can be more helpful during the podcast. (laughs) It's very helpful. And it really, one thing that I like that she does is she breaks down the roles of different 
people on the mm. on the set like and so but, but more so you can know who to blame when you're yeah. criticizing a movie um yeah. but she does make this error that makes me angry where she talks mm. about how almost always it's not the actor's fault like if an actor is giving a bad performance they were miscast mm. or misdirected like it the decision lies on someone else um. and or misedited. And so she, so I actually, I agree with that. Really? Um, yeah. But then she then turns around and she criticizes um, Elizabeth Berkeley's performance in Showgirls. And <gasps> I'm like, Anne, Anne, why are That's you falling into this misogynistic trap? Like, yeah. Even, especially, I think by the time this book came out, Paul Verhoeven had said she acted exactly like he directed her to act. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. <laughs> he got the performance out of her that she wanted. That he wanted, I mean. Oh my God. So, See. but anyway, I do agree with that. Like that, because her her argument is that a bad performance shouldn't make it that far where the audience is seeing mm. it, because they should have cast someone else. They could edit them differently. Mm. They could direct them better. You know, something should have been fixed before we got to this point. So like I there can that. be a bad performance, but it's not necessarily the actor's fault. I, I can see that. I can see that. I've also seen Matthew Morrison in Glee, though, and <laughs> he's pretty horrifying in that. Um, and I don't know what the solution is because I, yeah. Man, Anyways, they, I saw when they put him in Grinch makeup. That was oh, <laughs> frightening. I don't know that he's properly cast in anything. Maybe he just shouldn't be. Yeah, that's true. Okay. So, so well, that's the topic. But, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but Anne, Anne, one, she has a, re she has a really good zinger where mm. she says, at last, Hollywood, which has always had a blind spot when it comes to casting African-American actors in <laughs> non-race specific roles, seems to have found a way to cast black roles with white actors. <laughs> Very good. <laughs> good singer. Um, but again, this was ultimately a favorable review, but mm -hmm. she does raise this point where she says, one could argue that the filmmaker um, and both the writer and the director, both white men, are having it both ways where they perpetuate offensive cliches in the guise of celebrating black resistance and triumph. Mm. And she's, she pairs this with a review for another movie um, called Hustle and Flow with Terrence Howard, oh, which yeah. I never saw. Yeah. Um, and then last but not least, there is an, website called fictionmachine.com mm. they did a review for the skeleton key in 2021 i don't know what made them think of it then but i'm thinking of it now so yeah right <laughs> um <laughs> but they do say it got a neat little twist and a solid shocker ending to a horror story mm. um however when inserted back into the overall experience of african americans in popular cinema and race issues in louisiana it is much more difficult to decide whether the skeleton key is mildly offensive or nicely provocative, or for that matter, is it dreadfully silly or actually quite smart? <laughs> <laughs> and he says, I suspect it might be the former for one and the latter for the other, but he doesn't say which. Um, and he echoes Anson in the bit where he says, someone in Hollywood figured out how to tell a black story without any black people in it. So I don't know. I think this is a smart movie. Yeah. 
Um, so if I were going with this person, I would say it's mildly offensive, but actually quite smart. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> like I am definitely not a person who can even, you know, really speak on it um, because I'm white and also because I'm just not that articulate in the subject. Oh, um, stop it. <laughs> well, you know. I guess I should say you're not our- white. No, <laughs> <laughs> sorry. You're Irish. <laughs> uh, to no. open that door, there are some people who make that oh equivalency. I could do a whole. We're gonna have to do a that's so gothic on the departed, so we can like talk about Irish people. Ooh, um, okay. Yeah, but anyways, um, I think this movie, like, yes, could it. Could it have worked with a Black actress in Kate Hudson's role as long as she was, like, still from New Jersey? Yeah, I think it could have still worked. I think that it would be a very different, not a very different movie, but it would definitely be different. It The conversation around it would be much more different. Mm-hmm. I, I think it would be very interesting, but it's one of those things where if it was a black actress in Kate Hudson's role, would we be talking about the race as much? Does that make sense? Like not in an offensive way. Like it it does. Yeah. Like it wouldn't be, it wouldn't be as big of an issue. And so we wouldn't be talking about it. And then I, but I think in talking about it, there's some really interesting points to be made. I think that's, not to say, that's one of the only things that makes this movie interesting. Mm. I find it enter- I find it entertaining, but if it didn't, yeah, if it this angle is what makes it an interesting conversation piece. Yeah, beyond just like oh that movie with the cool twist ending. Right, right, yeah, absolutely, absolutely, yeah. Hmm. But yeah, so so the haunt is hoodooism. Mm-hmm. Now, did you really like, did you happen to look up hoodooism at all? Because I don't know anything about it. No, there is a special feature mm-hmm. <laughs> on, the, on the DVD Gotta love the that special is features. called Voodoo and Hoodoo. Mm. And it talks about the difference between the two of them. Mm-hmm. And so Voodoo being a religion yeah. that it came from Africa or and the Caribbean and they talk to people who are voodoo practitioners in new Orleans. Right. One of them, a very white lady. So yes. It, if it's actually the one I'm thinking of, there's this, um, it was like an online, a YouTube show. Oh my God. I sound like a boomer right now. There's a YouTube series called like Buzzfeed unsolved and whatever they do their own thing now, but they did an episode where they went to, um, Louisiana and they sort of researched voodoo and I I bet it's the one who was on this even though mm. it came out years later because she was like yeah like the mama voodoo something like that but she's very white and it yeah. was very uncomfortable they had such an interesting assortment of people that they yeah. spoke to um but yeah according to you know my <laughs> my knowledge base begins and ends at wikipedia yeah but Wikipedia says that hoodoo is a set of spiritual practices, traditions, and beliefs that were created by enslaved Africans in the Mm. Southern United States from various traditional African spiritualities, 
Christianity and elements of indigenous botanical knowledge. And mm. they talk about that a bit on the special features about yeah. how they did use a lot of the indigenous herbs mm. and stuff and, and were learning from them what they used the herbs for. So it, it kind of came this amalgamation of all these different, different things. Yeah. And they say that um, regional synonyms for hoodoo include conjure or root work. So mm. it does have that, that kind of magical element to yeah. it. Yeah. Yeah. And it says other names include Gullah and Juju. Hmm. I don't know if oh. I'm allowed to say Juju. <laughs> but that is really interesting that it is so uniquely American. You know, mm -hmm. it's, it's, be, you know, caused, unfortunately, because of slavery, because we stole these people and brought them to this country it's intertwined with indigenous beliefs. It, it's actually something I really wish I had looked more into because that is fascinating. It's so strictly American. Yeah, that's a really, really good point, especially as yeah. we get into the Gothic elements and Southern right. Gothic specifically. Yeah. This is, as you said, very American. Yeah. And you think a lot, I, I don't know too much about history of religion, but they mm. often seem born out of some sort of turmoil yeah. and I don't want to use the word desperation, but they talk yeah. about how it works. It only works when you believe in it, which can also right. be applied to religion mm -hmm. um, or any sort of spiritual practice. And like Christianity, you know, they were being persecuted and so right. they had this book and, you know, they're the, 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 the book and they're the people yeah. of the book and everything. And so you could see this emerging from as you said, from slavery, like what else, what else do you have yeah. in this horrible situation? You have nothing, nothing else. And so you can see how powerful that can be. Yeah, absolutely. And again, and like also said, how scary it is to white people. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Cause it gives black people power, God forbid, mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. or at least like, you know, strength in belief. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Wow. It's beautiful. I love it. Yeah. So um, what do you think? Is this Gothic? I would say it it's Southern Gothic for sure. Yeah, yeah. I think this is one of the ultimate Southern Gothic movies. Yeah. I really do think the categories are so strong. Mm -hmm. And even more so when you pointed out how uniquely American hoodoo yeah. is. That right. really does tie it into American mythology. We talked a bit on our last episode about these elements of Southern Gothic. Mm. And this one does it. I mean, much, much better than um, than Cape Fear did, of course. But yeah, it has that sense of place. Yeah, uh, it talks about destitution and decay. In this case, mm -hmm. it's the decaying of our our human bodies. Yeah. Um, and then the isolation, like they're they're just in the middle of nowhere. Yeah. In this swamp, they right. do point out a trick um, in the commentary as the camera pans out at the end. They have this helicopter shot of yeah. the plantation. I guess there actually is stuff around it, mm. but instead of CG, they did the old school map painting. So where they wow. block out the film. Yeah. And they, so they did a map painting of all the trees and everything around it. So wow. I thought that was really neat. And when, even when he said that I was looking, I'm like, I don't know where yeah. the scenery begins and the map painting ends. It was really, really impressive. That is very interesting. 
I will say like like I said I still like this discussion has definitely got me to like this movie a little bit more still kind of middle of the road for me but this is probably the most besides maybe Elvis which I mean we could go into the similarities there mid-southern gothic yeah the other ultimate southern gothic besides Elvis this is probably the movie that I've watched for the podcast that I most wanted to re-watch like almost immediately after because of oh, all cool. of the aspects and now like you saying the matte painting like and the lack of CGI like those are all things I want to go back and sort of re-notice I recommend it especially mm. the relationship between Violet and Luke yeah. Once you know he's actually Papa Justify, mm-hmm. she's still Cecile trapped in an old woman's body. Yeah. Her jealousy becomes yeah. much clearer because she is afraid that he's just going to ditch her for this hot young white girl. Right. Oh my God. Also, I'm just really going, I need to look up when the Justin Timberlake Justify cd came out because you could also argue that he is on the elvis level of you know people would say oh it came out in 2002 i think that's a shout out to justin timberlake because people would also frequently you know say things about how he was a you know a black guy in a white guy's body oh yes i think that was a subtle shade to Justin Timberlake and I'm fine with that any shade to Justin Timberlake I welcome with open fully support. arms fully yes. support yeah. fully support we can do it that's so gothic of the 2004 Super Bowl another time <laughs> perfect <laughs> man excellent so so southern gothic the skeleton mm-hmm. key southern gothic that doesn't work but yeah I like it thank you (laughs) but thank you ghosties for listening to us break down the skeleton key please subscribe wherever you get your podcasts rate and leave us a review on apple podcasts please and drop us an email sogothicpod at gmail.com and finally follow us on instagram for hints about what's next in our southern gothic series stay ghosty y'all boo bye bye